0: The business of uh, creativity, it's uh, it's an interesting one. It's uh, it's something that's a bit of a holy grail. And for me, um, I'll introduce myself. I'm Tim Patterson, I'm gonna be chairing this uh, this panel. And then I'm gonna hand over to the the panel and they'll be introducing themselves. But my background in all of this, I was a broadcaster for about 35 years. I started off my career in the BBC in 1982 and worked my way through and I worked for ITV and uh, Disney and, and then my last gig was uh, Nickelodeon where I was looking after their programming for UK and Ireland. I left Nickelodeon in 15, 2015 and I started my own company. So I am um, CEO of Larkeshead Media which is an IP or a content management company. So I have a pretty good idea about what it's like to start your own business and all the ramifications uh, within that. But <coughs> My distinguished panel here uh, knows a huge amount uh, about the business uh, of creativity. So I'd
1: like to introduce, please, going for this, Hamash, okay. please. Hi, I'm uh, Mahesh Ramachandra, and I'm Chief Product Officer at Zoomy. So um, I've been creating uh, digital products for about 20 years now, um, everything from CD-ROMs and websites, uh, interactive TV programs in different parts of the world for many years, um, and most recently, mobile apps, and in particular, kids' apps. Um, And right now, uh, I'm at Azumi, and um, I'm I'm the the, the product officer there. So so some of you might be wondering what what a product person is or product person does. Um, So I kind of sit between creative, technology, commercial, and marketing, and I'm the interface with with the customer or the audience. Um, so my job is to kind of like bring all those things together and make something that people actually want to buy. Um, uh, yeah, should I talk about Azumi a little bit? Or do you that, can uh, a sentence yeah, send us on Azumi. So just a couple of sentences about Azumi. Uh, Azumi is a digital service, a digital entertainment service for kids aged five and up. Uh, and we are available on apps on, on any number of different platforms. And within our service, we've got a huge library of games and of videos, and they're all curated for different ages. So they're all packaged into one safe app that we, we sell to parents as a subscription, and which we sell for $4.99 a month. Uh, We're we backed or supported by the NSPCC, um, and we also <laughs> create some content as well. Um, and recently, we, uh, one of our shows, uh, Search It Up, was uh, nominated for a, uh, kids' BAFTA last year. Um, uh, we are a startup. We've got uh, 17 people in the, uh, in the company. We're based in All Street. Um, and we are I guess, in terms of the, the, the stage of the company, we are uh, pre pre-series A, which means that we're still in our kind of seed rounds. We've been raising money from friends and family, from high net worth individuals. Um, as well as from an equity crowdfunding campaign that we, we successfully ran uh, last year, which I think we'll probably talk a bit more about uh, a little yep. bit later. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks.
2: Wow. Fiona, over hello. to Hello, hello everyone. Um, so my name is Fiona Lamptey. Um My sound has just come out of my jeans, but don't worry, I'll hold it. Um, so I um, am founder and creative producer um, at Fruit Tree Media, Um, and I started the company when I was working for a broadcaster, um, Channel 4, Film 4 department. And um, the reason why I started it is because I felt that there was no one in the industry that kind of could help nurture talent, um, quite new talent, like when, when talent make films, you know, it's quite, for a director to make a film, they can make a film. But who teaches directors about how to make money from their films? Who teaches um, directors how, what deals and what contracts they should and shouldn't be signing? So part of my, part of the reason why I set up Fruit Tree Media is because I was learning so much from the landscape around me, from Film 4, from Channel 4, by doing my own productions. And I felt there was a gap in the market that didn't really um, bring that to new talent. So. That's part of kind of my remit with Fruit Tree Media, was to kind of nurture um, new talent and help them grow to the next levels of their careers. It's changed slightly now, um, but that's what, where I started when I was working for Channel 4 and Film 4. I started Fruit Tree Media.
3: Thank you very much. And Paul? Hello, uh, I'm Paul Kilduff-Taylor. I'm the co-founder of Mode 7. We're an indie game developer and publisher Based in Oxford, we've been going for about 12 years now, and we started out of university, my business partner had designed a game which was a multiplayer flying sword fighting game, uh, and it went about as well as you could imagine from that description, it did not sell well, Uh, it was an amazing experience making that game, and it actually led us on to doing contract work. Um, So we went from trying to start everything ourselves with no money to getting a source of revenue in. We actually did some work in the TV industry doing graphics for quiz shows. So we found that a lot of the systems that we developed for games were actually relevant in another industry. Um, That enabled us to get some money in, and we developed another game called Frozen Synapse, which is a strategy title. Uh, That came out in 2011 and it did quite well and was ported across to various different platforms, um, PS3 and iPad and and various other things. Um, And that won some awards and it enabled us to kind of build our business around making original games, which is what we wanted to do all along. Subsequently, we've become a publisher and we started working with new game developers on their projects, funding them uh, and also collaborating with them on development, and things like marketing, and that's been really eye-opening and interesting. Working with absolutely, you know, first-time developers and learning from them about their sort of different approaches to things. Um, so we have a game called Tokyo 42, which is coming out very soon. Uh, that's been the kind of fruits of two years' worth of work on that, and also another thing that's coming out this year that we're announcing soon. So I've kind of been through every side and configuration of uh, funding things. Getting funding in, I've applied for public money with things like UK Games Fund and also um, via the old sort of Screen uh, Regional Screen Agency system. Um, I'm also a partner in something called Indie Fund, which is uh, primarily US-based organisation that provides funding just just funding, nothing else, for a variety of indie game projects. So uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of a lot of game pitches and, and pitched a lot of games. Thank you very much.
0: So how? hell are we going to turn this fantastic idea of yours into cash Um, I hope over the next half an hour or so we'll have some uh, answers to those questions I also would like you to ask questions so what we'll do I will work our way through the panel talking specifically about investment for product and then probably investment if you're going to set up your own company Um, There are so many ways in which you can find investment and so many ways in which you can set up companies from the very small to the very large. But what we'll start off with is looking for investment for that great idea, certainly a product idea. And I think we were talking, Felix, on you first, just in terms of, because I know that right. since you started, <laughs> yeah. way back when,
1: yeah. this yep. is your an um, area of expertise. So I think <coughs> there's a couple of um, uh, different ways, I think that, uh, you know, is to think about, uh, Fundraising or financing, and doing that in in partnership with with product development. Um, I'm a I'm a great believer in in being able to create something um, that is perhaps a prototype or, or something that you can actually get out into the hands of your audience or your target uh, users as quickly as possible to learn whether you've got a good idea or not. So. With that in mind, the initial sum of money that you would need to raise does not necessarily need to be very large at all. Um, in the, the previous startup that I did about four years ago with Hopster, which is uh, a preschool kids app, which is the number one kids app in the, uh, in the UK, um, we started with a very, very small amount of money um, in, in the low tens of thousands to, to actually create a prototype that worked and that was high fidelity. That means that We had music, we had audio, we had sound. It was a very thin slice of the whole product. You couldn't go very far inside it, but the slice that was there was fully formed. And we could show that to parents, and we could show that to kids, and to get their reaction from it. And we could also show it to investors as well, to get them excited about what we were doing. So did we start with a lot of money? No, at all, not at all. Um, But we used that to essentially bootstrap the next version of the app, which was more fully featured, which... Um, which we use to raise the next um, round of, of funding from angel investors. Um, at, at Azumi, we, we've started with um, a very similar sort of um, uh, process where we started with friends and family um, money, literally, as it sounds like, from friends and family. This is um, you know, where, where a lot of the initial uh, uh, funds come from. Um, and then Moving on to, uh, in in our case, high net worth individuals, uh, which I think is actually an acronym now, so HNI is right. Um, but high net worth individuals are, you know, in some cases, you know, may not be professional angel investors, but they are high net worth individuals who have the, you know, the the, um, uh, you know, disposable income that they can put down into a project and become an early investor. Um, in your, in your um, uh, idea. So, for, for Azumi, that was how we managed to create a very, very um, uh, stable, again, it was a very, you know, something that could be done within X amount of time, um, product that we put into the market last year. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, it, was, it was good enough that it was picked up by, by O2, and we now partner with O2 to actually distribute um, Azumi as part of their family tablet bundle it was not the, the, the greatest product, but we had all the right components in place and that we could prove to our partners and investors that we had hit certain benchmarks. Um, late last year, we decided to do another, another fundraising round. Frankly, we're always fundraising. I think you'll <laughs> find with, 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 with startups, you are perpetually fundraising. Um, and in this case, we decided that we had enough of a story and enough of um, um, you know, experience with what we've done To actually do an equity crowdfunding campaign, and we did it on the CrowdCube platform. Um, So, all of you are obviously, I think, familiar with Kickstarter. And the difference with an equity crowdfunding campaign is that you're actually not selling your product, but you're selling shares in your company. Simply put, Um, and in the case of CrowdCube, you can buy, you know, somebody can buy ten pounds, you know, worth, or can invest ten pounds in your company. Right up to very significant amounts of money, and um, we set ourselves a target of uh, 400, 400,000 pounds. That was our target, and we we, we smashed it. We we, we raised uh, just 800,000 pounds. Um, we doubled the amount of money we actually wanted to raise. Um, it's a very nice snowball effect once you actually hit your target, uh, because pe- everyone's waiting to see what's a winner and what's not. And if you're going to hit your target, suddenly everybody wants to invest in it, which is great. But we worked very, very, very hard to hit those, 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 that, that target. Just because you have a campaign, a crowdfunding campaign, it doesn't mean that people turn up to throw money at you. You really have to hustle. And we did a lot to actually talk to everybody and individual networks to actually get money through that, that campaign. So, so again, with the money that we raised, we then use that to make a better version of the product, the one that is now available in the App Store, which is really kick-ass. This <laughs> is, this is so yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic, right? And we really feel this is the one. This is the one that we're going to use to raise, again, the, the next much larger round of, of financing from uh, VCs, in this case, and take the product internationally.
0: Uh, how yep. many of you um, at Azumi go out there to find the cash?
1: Is Everybody. There, is it, ev- Everybody. Everybody, everybody was on the board. How much money has everybody raised? How much through their networks? Who have they contacted? Um, you know, how many people have you yourself directly gone and spoken with? And if they've put in any amount of money, how many people have they told? We, you really, really have to hustle to, to, to try and get that.
0: And in terms of the way that it balances out with shares, is there a point whereby, I mean, a, a, again, if, if someone puts a tenor in, yeah. what would that equate to?
1: Um, Not very much. Um, It's it's a slightly strange platform in the sense that, on the one hand, you can can invest a very small amount of money, and I think people do it to just try their... Their hand and seeing what, what actually comes out of it, um, but you can get very significant investment sums out of it as well.
0: Yeah, is there a kind of a, like an aftercare scenario whereby if I do put a tenor in to yeah. crowdfund, yeah. is it your responsibility then to keep me in the loop yes. as to what? Yes. so that's you're tied into that.
1: Absolutely. There's two categories of shares. There's like a B category of shares where um, you even if you've invested anywhere between I believe it's uh, ten pounds to five thousand pounds where. You have no no voting rights, and we keep you. We, we we have a level of information that we give you every. I think it's every six months or so, um, and then you have your A category of people who invested more than five thousand pounds, and um, those are people that we keep very very well informed of what we're doing because obviously we're going to ask them for more money again, uh, soon or later. Um, so, um, but but ultimately, every person who's put whether it's ten pounds or you know hundreds of thousands of pounds into your company, uh, you know, the, these are people who believe in what you're doing and you do need to take care of them.
0: And with regard to their risk, yeah. um, is it a promise of dividends, as in a pro- promise of return, or is it purely ri- a, a risk on their part? They're purely at risk. Okay, fine. Thank you. Has anyone out there um, got any questions relating to this type of, this type of funding?
1: Um, we, we, we kind of there, there is an upper limit, so it's, it, it, you can't give away everything. So um, you have an upper limit if you do go beyond your target, and if you're um, that upper limit is where you're comfortable ultimately to get to. Uh, it's, it's probably worth mentioning that early on in our in the history of Azumi, we 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 had actually tried an earlier crowdfunding campaign as well, equity crowdfunding campaign, but we quickly realized it just wasn't going to work because we didn't have a story.
0: Oh, so this is an okay. Yeah. So actually, no, I'll take some more questions. I think gentlemen, gentleman here, we've got, the, we've got a mic coming around so we can hear everyone
3: here. Um, your campaign involved a lot of one-to-one um, talks with investors and prospective um, investors. Um, what are, one, the key motivations for people to invest, um, particularly these H&I people? And then the second, um, just in a nutshell, what kind of things were really key to bring up if you're doing that kind of thing on a very small scale? Uh, thank you.
1: I think um, I think the the motivations for the for the HNIs is first and foremost these are ultimately early investment opportunities for them. They they do see that there could be fabulous returns for them if we ever did well, if we ever grew, and uh, so I think they 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 have do have an eye on on the pure investment side of it, but for sure. Commercial, commercial commercial, returns, um, but for us we, we, we have a very particular story is that we're providing um, a service and an app for families and for kids, so we really appeal to um, directly to people's personal experiences with their own kids or their own families, is that if this is a product that you think you would use for your family and you think it's good, maybe this is something you should invest in because if you can see the value there it, it, it directly relates to them. So we did a lot of, um, you know, directly trying to find out whether people understood the, the value of the product that we're, we're creating uh, for them. Um, but, um, but beyond that, we also, you know, uh, we hosted small events, so we'd invite people down, get out the beer, get out the you know, chips and all that, and get people talking together and, you know, and updating them about what we're doing in the product, keeping them really excited about it what we're doing so that they can also meet the team as well. It's really important that they see that, hey, it's not just one guy asking for money, but that there is an entire team behind there that all believe in this product as well, and that you're investing in a team. And that's really, really important, whether you're putting in you know, 10 quid or, or 100,000 pounds into something. OK, thank you. Fiona, in terms of product.
2: Yeah, which is completely different. Which, of course, is completely different.
0: Um, So your product would be, in this instance, film.
2: Yes. So um, one of the ways that I wanted to nurture talent and new new writing director's talent was through film, and particularly through short film, because, as you know, it's hard to get a feature film funded, especially if it's your new talent. Probably impossible if you're new talent. But, two, there's quite a lot of resource available in terms of kind of money resource available for short films. And in some instances, you actually don't need that much money to make a short film. So the product for my company is short films. Um, And so what I would do is I would go out and find talent that I was particularly interested in working with that had big ideas, but actually couldn't actually get finance for those big ideas because they weren't, you know, a lot of these companies, um, public funders and um, even private investors, they want to see a track record, which obviously someone that is new talent hasn't got. So it's what I, I, I helped to do was I'm experienced in what I do as a producer, as working for a financier, working in Film 4, Channel 4, and to kind of bring new talent on this journey with me so that financiers or private investors could, you know, I'm the kind of the adult, the grown up, and I'm helping bring people along. So, you know, they, they knew that their money was safe. Um, so the product has always been short film and it's always been good because, and I always like working on short films because one, it's low risk. Two, it's, it's testing ground for, for any talent, for myself. It's a learning experience for all involved. And also, even though it's not as long as a feature, you still go through those same set steps as a feature. So as a producer, I was doing a number of things. I was building, you know, the talent I want to work with and, and having relationships with those talent and I was also introducing new talent to financiers, to public funders who, you know, are always looking for new talent but don't always have access all the time or resource to find them. Um, so the pro- And I've raised money for short films in a number of ways. I'm sure you guys know that there's, you know, public funds. Film London, Creative England all have funding for shorts um, as well as a lot of regional funds. But I've also done the Kickstarter route, um, and the reason why I did Kickstarter in this in a particular case was because the talent that I was working with was stri- fresh out of the London Film School, had this amazing, quite crazy idea about a guy that takes off his skin for his girlfriend. And we kind of shot the idea to different kind of public funders, different investors, and they were like, we just don't get it. But I really got it, and I really loved it, and I was just like, we need to make this. And so, um, we did a Kickstarter to raise seven and a half thousand pounds. Um, And we knew, the the important thing I think about Kickstarter, what you mentioned was having a story. Um, We always knew who this film would, uh, would appeal to. And it was people that liked Margaret Atwood, um, Cronenberg, like sci-fi fans, special effects makeup artists, people kind of who'd really get a kick of this film that was quite bizarre and weird, but grounded in a very kind of domestic setting. Um, And we we raised the money for it and excelled our target. But there's there's so many many ways to seek investment for film. You know, They're quite difficult and I'm not saying it's easy. but also by doing that Kickstarter, we built an audience for that film, and we kept that. We retained that audience until we released. So when you know the film played at loads of festivals, but when we released it on Vimeo, it got seven hundred thousand views in the first week because seven months beforehand so we built an audience to help us raise it film. and we you know we did a Facebook, we did all you know Instagram, and we took that that audience on the journey with us. So I think don't underestimate. The, the need for a story and also to retain the audience, um, you know, get people's contact details, give them updates about what's happening, you know, leak information that they'll be only privileged to. You know, our audience and people that invested in the film knew who was being cast before anyone else did. You know, there was just little things that we, we gave them glimpses of that showed that we cared about them, that we kind of really appreciated their investment and kept them with us along the, on the, along the way. Another way that I've um, raised money for film is private investment, um, which is, I think, going back to your question, like, why do people do it? And um, in the two cases that I've I've raised money via private investment, it's been two completely different reasons. And I think with film, you know, the, the idea of working on a film is really great. Like, people really buy into it. And so the idea of giving someone an exec producer credit, if they give you 10,000, some people will actually do it. Um, and then, you know, some people want to be really involved in the creative. So it's all about finding that balance as a creative producer and as, like, working with a director, writer. Like, what are the things that we're willing to, you know, give away? Um, you know, does it matter that this investor has their logo at the front of their film and they haven't contributed to the editorial you know it's a consideration and it's always a negotiation as well so um, it's a really good question and then the other person that I worked with a private investor invested in his own project quite a significant sum of money and actually for me that wasn't ideal because when you're working with someone that's invested in their own project I'm a creative producer, so I always want to be kind of part of the process, that creative process. And also, how do you taste say, say no to someone and it's their money? So there's lots of things when you're kind of seeking investment, you have to really understand who that person is, you're getting that investment from and what they want for it. And if that's clear up front, brilliant. Um, so just always be clear on kind of where they're coming from and, you know. If it's um, about being associated with film and the talent, I think for me personally, that's always the best way because you know they're invested in the journey of you and can they can invest again.
0: Thank you. And any questions for Fiona around short film finance? We're just going to go and get the microphone for you. So we can all hear you.
2: Thank you.
3: Just out of cu- yeah, out of curiosity, is it oriented towards a specific age group, or is that just in general just new talent?
2: In terms of new talent? Oh, yeah. sorry. Um, so no, it's probably... So the people that I'm working with have made maybe a couple of short films, um, and are on the cusp. They want to make a feature film, but they're not ready yet, or the industry doesn't deem them ready. So it's people that kind of have a couple of films under their belt, but... And it's no no way age related. It's it's just down to experience and my personal taste.
0: Over, over here, thank you. Okay.
1: Um, in terms of a Kickstarter thing, what do you give people in return? Is it just access to information
3: and keeping them in the loop, or is there a bit more that you you give? Yeah.
2: Them? So um, so for every. So you set your own benchmark. So someone gives you five pounds. I can, I mean, I did this three years ago, but just someone gave us five pounds, we'd give them a shout-out on social media. Um, someone gave us ten, we would um, give them a bit of the skin from the guy that took his skin off. <laughs> People really like that, actually. <laughs> um, if someone gave us 15, we had some poster artwork, and we gave them that. Um, if someone gave us 200, they could have a personal message with the, the skinless man. Um, and what we tried to do is find, oh, yeah, and someone, if someone gave us 1,000, they could get an exec producer credit and the skinless suit. Um, and what we tried to do is make sure that our incentives, there was no cost attached to them, so they were kind of things that we would already have lying about or we've already invested in. Um, So that was quite key to our campaign, to make sure that it was tied into the film in some way, but in no way would cost us money to produce what we were given away.
0: Okay, One more question, and then we'll move on to Paul.
3: Ruth, um, as a writer um, approaching producers to try to interest them in your work, let's say feature a feature screenplay, um,
0: could you talk a little bit about how I might talk to a producer if I had someone who was interested in financing the film, but I didn't have a producer? What would be the sort of way of approaching a producer and talking about that situation?
2: Okay, so I think the thing that sets me apart or any producer apart from another producer is the talent that they attract or the talent they're working with. So as a writer, if I was a writer trying to find a producer, I would find a producer or look for a producer that is making stuff that I watch or is similar to the stuff that I'm writing and start from there. Because then already you're kind of, you've got something in common. Um, and that's, I, that's the way I, I start my conversations. People send me stuff because they've seen stuff that I've been, you know, I've made with other writer directors. Um, and then we start there. And sometimes it's too similar to what I've made already or sometimes, you know, I'm like, yeah, let's, you know. And, mo- you know, a producer is always or should be always on the lookout for new talent or new people, you know, people coming through. So, you know, they should, you know, they'll either ask you, what, what I do is ask for a writing sample so I can at least read something at first and then, you know, meet up. But I, I would say, you know, start from what have you got in, in common with this producer Why have you, you know, start, why you pick them? Flattery gets you everywhere, basically.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I know that a lot of people have got questions. Hopefully, we'll come back at the end and we can actually uh, go
3: to the floor again. Paul. Right, so with us, we've had a huge sort of range of, of different ways of um, getting financing and making stuff, so I'll try to kind of briefly touch on each one, Uh, and some of it's going to be similar to what Mahesh and uh, Fiona have said. So we started out um, really with with not much, um, and that was the friends and family stage, just to kind of provide us some money in order to start something. Um, that's just very much about you know, your network, people that you know. But the, the the thing that's germane to all of these funding methods is getting people to believe in you and your product. So that might start with people with whom you, know, you already have a relationship with them, and then it will extend out to you know, people maybe that you're just meeting for the first time. So that's the thing to bear in mind when you're pitching, is that it's about this idea of, of belief in you and the thing that you're doing. So we started out um, in that way, and as I said, that game didn't do particularly well, but it enabled us to get contract work, and that's because we put a lot of effort into some quite innovative technical systems in the game, and also it made quite a good showcase for things that we could potentially do in the future. So um, the game had a very unique control method where you uh, used the mouse to move the sword around, and that caught the attention of a company who were making a very innovative controller, Um, a company called Novint, who were a startup in the US, and they needed someone to work on products for them, adapting them to this controller. And they could see that we knew how to make innovative control methods, and that we had a technical system in place. So they actually approached us, and then we negotiated with them. And that was our very first bit of client work. That set me off thinking, you know, we know we can do these things, and we have this expertise. Where else can I look to see a place that we could fit in uh, and i had a friend who worked in tv and i went for a drink with him and he was explaining all the problems he was having in his work and i thought well we can probably set, solve some of those so that started us on that path so being flexible and open to opportunities when they come up initially is amazingly important don't just think of you know, I want to make this one thing, and I'm, I'm entirely focused on that, you will have a lot of skills by virtue of the fact that you're here. Um, so you can use those skills as a way of generating money. It is difficult to balance client work and your own original development or production, but that's a skill you can learn as well. So it's not something to be afraid of. Once we'd got that client money coming in, we used that to develop frozen sign apps, And then with that, we adopted a form of crowdfunding which uh, was we released a beta. If you pre-ordered the game, you got the beta. And the value in that was for people who love that genre, who love strategy games, they got to get the game early and give us some input into the design. And people who like really in-depth games have a lot of opinions about what they want to see in a game, how they want the game to be, and they love having that direct connection with the developer. Uh, And it really enables them to add value. It's not just a cynical thing. You're not just pretending to incorporate their feedback or sort of being nice to them because they've given you money, they're really feeding into your own process in, in an ideal situation. And that's a lot more common now in games, but this was back in sort of 2010, it was sort of slightly less common. But those principles are still there. If you do an early access or you do a pre-order, Um, that relationship with your community now is the most important thing. Your community are the people that are going to drive further engagement. They're going to be the people talking up your game if they like it. They're going to be getting their friends to play. They're going to be showing it to other people. So you can use that funding uh, method to not only just provide money, but to start building your community. After we did that, um, we moved on to other projects and I started applying for public funding for the first time. And the thing that I learned doing that is the motivations and incentives for giving out public money are completely bizarre and make absolutely no (laughs) sense to anyone who's worked in a commercial environment. They make no sense. A lot of the time, public bodies are not out to fund things That will become profitable they don't care about that they care entirely about does this look good in our portfolio of things the people who have those jobs are given the remit of we want things to meet this certain set of fairly obscure criteria and they can't always tell you what those are explicitly so you have to go and meet these people you have to go and see other projects they funded you have to get a good sense of what they are after and what will make them look good. And your pitch has to be based around that rather than in year two we are going to make X amount of money. So that was a completely new experience for me and it was really interesting. But again, once you know that, you can, especially if you have done some projects in the past and you can show that you have completed something, you can go out there and say, you know, this is the thing we are making and it is exciting because of X, Y and Z. Something that helps with that and also helps me if I'm looking to fund a project, if it's an inexperienced team, if you have an experienced advisor, so they don't necessarily have to be on your board, you can just list them as someone who is giving you advice on the project, that gives me a huge amount more confidence um, and it's something that can really work with that, that public money stuff because if they can say, oh look, X industry luminary is attached to this, that gives them more of a basis to kind of have confidence that they can put your your game or your your product in lots of places and that it has some kind of sane basis. Um, So that's been the other method. Finally, I'll just quickly touch on publishing um, and on Indie Fund as well and other similar funds. That is going to more be based around a financial return. Um, And something we were all talking about earlier is it's based on the relationship that you have with the developers. So when we publish a game, we tend to get very involved depending on what the developer wants. And that means that we're gonna be seeing a lot of them. We're gonna be spending time with them. We're going to be dealing with them in probably the most pressurized situation they've ever been in their life in terms of work when it comes to releasing a product. So that is all about, do I have confidence in them as people, but is the thing they're making the most important thing Uh, creatively for them. When I see a pitch where someone hasn't decided on some of the details, or they're telling me things like, well, we could change it to be X, we could change it to be Y, I don't generally feel like that's the one idea in that person's life that they care about more than anything else. I want that energy to come from them so that I can trust them to get through the really hard stuff with me later on. Um, And that's largely about creating something that is genuinely innovative, that has a lot of your personal style in it, And it's also about showing me or showing a publisher or funder that you are the person who can finish that. So having finished projects already, having the ability to kind of close out a project is something that's gonna give a lot more confidence when you come to applying to things like that. We're lucky in that if I go out and look for funding, we can show three or four games as well as sort of other projects that we've worked on that we've finished. Um, And that's always (coughs) nice for someone to see because all of your work is is then out there. Harder when you're starting out but it's why it's a good idea to get smaller projects sort of under your belt initially. Thank you very much.
0: I'm going to open the floor up for a couple of questions for Paul. And then what I'm gonna do, uh, it's amazing how an hour can go by really, really quickly. It's a really interesting, fertile subject. And I was gonna talk a little bit about setting up your own company, but this is really kind of a rich uh, vein uh, around uh, product investment. So we're gonna stick to this for now. After a couple of questions with Paul, I'm gonna go through the panel and ask them to give us a couple of pearls of wisdom uh, with relating to this type of thing, where do I get funding from? And then I'll open up the floor if we've got five minutes at the end. Um, So any questions for Paul relating to funding or games funding? It's all gone for you. You're so good. (laughs) (coughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. So what I'm going to do, I am going to ask um, the panel this direction. If you're gonna give us a couple of pearls of wisdom with regard to finding money, what advice would you give us? What are the two elements that you'd say focus on these two things?
1: I think, um, I think let, let's assume that you've, you've um, you know, identified you know, um, a source for financing. Let's say you know, it's, it's an investor. You know, it's maybe it's your friends and family network. Maybe it's a high net worth individual, and all of that. I think I think there's a few things which are crucial. Whatever type of wh- whatever, whatever whatever it is you're pitching, whether you're pitching a game or it's an app you want to make or it's a movie, I think that there's a few key things that 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 always need to be there. Um, number one is your your team, your team. I think it's really 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 important that you know if that. In, a, in some cases, it's important to have a balanced team. If you're if you're doing a startup, for example, if your team is a balance of commercial, um, technology, creative, product, that's that's great. You know, you're not too heavily weighed on one side or the other. Having experience is important. Um, as Paul mentioned, you know, if you if you have somebody maybe who's advising you, who has got industry experience, that's that's incredible. Um, that helps a lot. Um, also, having any sort of like experience of um, proven delivery is, is, is important. If somebody in your team has been able to deliver something to market, that's crucial. I think those are things that sort of give that, that, that um, uh, confidence to the investor. Second thing is ambition, right? You've got to make these guys excited, yeah? you, know, you know, you've got to have a vision for what you're doing. And it's got to be generally a big vision. It never hurts to make a big vision that gets investors excited, you know, that you're, what you're creating is something that is important, has got big impact, right, and could lead to bigger things. And I think investors need to feel that there's, there's something more that's gonna come out of what, what you're, you're, you're pitching. Um, that leads to, to another area around um, making sure your product is global, right, where possible. Can what you're creating be taken to other countries? Right? Are you looking outside of the UK? Right? Are you creating something that could be internationalized, can be localized in different parts of the world that 's part of the scope of it as well. Um, speed is important. If you can tell your investor you know, if you tell your investor well you know, 're not going to see anything for eighteen months that 's a problem. If you can tell them, well, you know what we 're going to get some stuff out in three months, and we 're going to come back with some results those little things make a big, big, big difference, right? So that there is a, 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 way, a way to market which shows results quickly and gives your investors confidence, right? Um, I'm going to stop Finally, Are you right. going to go for finally? I'm going to go for finally. You covered the range. It's great. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking, um, uh, and, and IP, right? So if you look at intellectual property purely as being some level of value which is outside of your current incarnation of your product, um, that's, that's important. Have you created characters? Have you created a world? Have you created some technology that can stand on its own and be used elsewhere? I think, I think those are the things which, whatever you're doing, if you have all those things, that really helps your pitch. Thank
0: you. So, Fiona, mm-hmm. apart from team, proven de- uh, delivery, ambition, global where possible, speed and IP value, what extra bits <laughs> would you like to share? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
2: I think um, the most important thing is making sure your your idea or whatever your IP is suits where you're going to get your investment from. So, you know, these these companies or these individuals take a lot of time and pride thinking they're different from everyone else. So if you're pitching your idea thinking, you know, in the way that you're pitching to the same people, then I think that's your first mistake. You need to cater your idea your pitch to the individuals you're pitching to. So you wouldn't pitch the same thing to Film 4 as you would to BBC films. Or you wouldn't want them to think that you are.
1: <laughs> probably most
2: importantly. Um, so I think always make sure you're you're pitching your project to the right audience. Um, and you know there's there's lots of ways to get money for film financing. Um, public funding via the BFI, Film4, um, BBC. Is probably the most I don't want to say easy because it's it's never easy but it's what we would consider soft money in terms of it's not gonna you know they're they're quite friendly with the money you know there's a license fee there's small equity stake you know they have they're incentivized they want film the film industry to grow so they want you guys to make money as well and also, as you said, there's, they've got different internally. There's things that they're thinking about the remit, new talent, um, BAME talent. Um, they're, they're thinking about different things that you you're not even thinking about. But if you tick a box and you know, and they give you some money, that's okay. Um, and then there's also private investment, which I would say, when it comes to film, is not hard, but probably the most difficult to sell because um making money back in film is quite difficult but not impossible if your film's made at the right level Um, so there's lots of considerations but i would my biggest point is you know go for the right make sure you're pitching your project to the right people thank you fiona
3: paul uh, I'm going to overlap with these guys because uh, the, some really, really good points there, which just apply across everything. The first thing I think is that's a sort of terribly overused word, and I've already used it once, which is passion. Um, but what I mean by that is do your creative work. I think. A lot of people, when they're pitching, they're worried about sort of a lot of the technical aspects of pitching, like have I got my budget right and have I got this and that right. That's easy to find out how to do. You know, you can, there, there's books you can buy about that and there's people you can talk to. But the thing that will make a pitch stand out is, is the thing being pitched amazing? Which is just a completely trite thing to say, but that's actually the, the, the barrier to um, funding in a lot of situations. It's not ambitious enough, something you mentioned. It's not exciting, or the person making it, it's not their, their dream. It's not the thing that they know most about that they really want to make that nobody else could make. So do your creative work first, and don't necessarily think about funding and let the business side play into too much, certainly at too much of an early stage. Find what you want to do. What's the thing that you can say that no one else can say? That is gonna make other people excited because it might not be something they've seen before. Um, it might be something that really plays on your own experience or your, the things that you love. Um, that's the the most important thing to any product pitch or any, um, any game pitch, certainly. And, and the second thing would be plausibility, and that comes after this. So you've gotta separate these two things. Once you have the idea and, and you know what you want to do and you're confident in it and you can talk about it, then you have to think about is the level that I'm pitching at plausible? Can I make it for this amount of money? What are the funding levels of the person that I'm pitching to? You know, um, if you come to me and pitch a, a five million dollar game, I'm not going to be able to fund that. We fund much smaller than that. So, and that's something that you could easily find out by talking to me. But, but you know, it, it happens in various situations. So, once you have the idea, separate that off, and then deal with the commercial concerns of can it be made in the time frame? Um, what are the risks? is this enough money to make it? What's going to go wrong? And, and how am I going to manage my relationship with the investors um, once it does go wrong? Because stuff goes wrong with every creative project. Every. Um, yeah, often significantly so. I think, so.
2: Sorry, just to cut you. Right. I think the thing to think about when you're going to, especially public funded, is that everyone is risk-averse. Yeah. So whatever you can do to surround yourself with the right people, the right team, put the right things in place to kind of push your pod project along, the better. That's a, that's a thing to think about because everyone you know, talks about, you know, we're looking for new talent, we're look, looking for new projects, but actually that's why people work with the same people over and over again, yep. is because they know these people can deliver. So the more you can push their way, that shows that you can deliver the better. And that will benefit you as well. Yeah. You know, if you're
3: bringing in help to make sure you actually finish the damn thing, then that's going to help you as well. It will. Now,
0: um, Believe it or not, we've just got over five minutes. So I'm going to open up to the floor. So um, please raise your hand, and we will get a mic to you. Um, this lady here, please. We'll just get the mic to you.
4: Hi. Thank you, first, for
0: all the great advice. Um, I have two questions for concerning the f- uh, funding for films. Okay. So, uh, how often do animation shorts uh, get funded compared to live action uh, shorts? And also, in which
4: stage do usually filmmakers start to seek um, funding in the script phase or like storyboard or where they have like some shot done and then start to? Um,
2: so, in terms of animation shorts, I haven't actually done an animation, but I'm working for um i'm production executing a strand called random max do you know random max yes. so if you and we we love animation so you should send animation our way um and then into what was your second question so in
4: which stage do we deep funding and yeah
2: i mean projects that i'm working on we try straight away i mean what we would try to do is have a pitch together we might even try and create a mood reel um and it also it depends on my relationship with who we're pitching to Um, but if it was someone i didn't know i'd gather as much information as possible working with the writer director Um, and then because what i would try and do is get development money because what you want and that's not just because i want the money but i do it's because having an editorial input from that company is quite important, especially if it's like a um, film for B- BBC or BFI, having them on board from the beginning, obviously they've got an interest to see it grow. Um, and also, you know, people have got bills to pay and it, it's an extra incentive to, you know, a lot of the writers I work with are doing other projects, so it kind of focuses the project. Um, so we try and get it as soon as possible from the early stages, but it might be in some cases, we've got scripts. You know, we've been working steadily for like six to nine months, and we, you know, we're finally happy to let the script go out. It depends on the project and how good it is. If it's ready, I never try and push anything too soon.
0: Thank you very much. Any more? Any more for any more? This gentleman over here.
1: Uh, a yeah, question for Paul. Basically the same thing, but for games. Uh, when's the best time to approach a publisher in the development of a game?
3: Um, if you have an existing relationship with them already and they know you, um, then you can start without a prototype. Um, you will need a design document very quickly, um, so probably best to have that um, as far along as you can get visuals. So if you can get like a screenshot with final visuals or like a very short, you know, movie of visuals, but in you know 90% of cases, it's going to be a prototype. And you can combine that with the visual stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to have all the art in the game, especially if the gameplay is amazingly compelling. Maybe you've got some new tech or something. That can work. But, you know, unfortunately, the ideal situation is is the same old thing of vertical slice. So, you know, a short, playable, um, final art bit of game. It can be very, very, very short, but... The closer it is to final, the easier it is to imagine how people are going to react to it and, and, and you know sort of figure out whether you, know, you like it as a publisher. Um, so trying to get some funding in early to get yourself to that point, full design document, final visuals, properly playable vertical slice, that's going to set you up as best you can um, for funding. Right. Thank you.
0: This lady over here, please.
4: Hi, um, that's very useful and um, more than what I've learned today. Um, so I've directed a couple of shorts and um, I'm at the stage where I'm trying to attach co-producers and execs. Um, trying to show like proof of concept, sort of building a team. Um, I'm currently sort of reaching out to the community to build up um, sort of an audience as well. Um, so in terms of trying to target like, execs and co-producers, it's just a case of researching kind of what genres they've worked with and sort of the level that I should be, uh, like, of, of producers that I should be.
2: Yeah, when you say co-producers, have you got a producer on board already? So I've, I've got a production company and I am mm-hmm. I want to co-produce, and okay. literally, yeah, So because I'm, okay. like, a new producer. And um, I don't know what your level of experience is, but maybe one of the things that you need to think about, and it's a consideration, it's not, you know, is finding a producer, and then eventually you co-produce. I mean, by nature of what you do, you'll probably be co producing anyway as a director. Um, and yes, I think it's just about research. Like, who's yeah. making stuff that you really like? What, what stuff have you seen? And you're like, actually, that was quite impressive. You know, who can add value to your project? Right, yeah. I think it's as simple as that. And then that producer... And, you know, find out kind of what relationship that producer has with financiers and how they can help bring you along that journey and attach finance to your film.
4: Yeah, because I find sometimes if you just send your script in, they're not very receptive.
2: Yeah, I, so. I mean, people send me scripts all the time. I'm busy. I've got twins mm. at home. Like, I can't read a whole script and get to the end and not like it. Mm. So send a stamp sample. It's like a mood send a treatment, or shorts. Send something yeah. small that they can read quite quickly. Mm. Um, you know, I read a lot of scripts, but... I can't always read everything, so I think make life simple for people. You don't know what their situation is, but I think if you know if you if you targeted your your email or to the right person, you know I think a short you know um, paragraph will let them know quite quickly whether they're interested or not, and at least you're not hanging on waiting as well. Yeah, just developing relationships. All yeah. right, thank you. No worries.
0: Thank you. I think we have one more time for one more question. I think we have. Sorry, we have one over here. Um,
1: Fiona, I was going to ask before,
0: um, you mentioned that obviously you've got a lot of students that come out and come to you regarding f- films, and you said about um, are they ready or not? Ooh. So what in regards would you say someone needs ready or not because obviously creative industry is quite subjective yeah so what someone thinks is not ready isn't like for example quentin tarantino he didn't go to film school mm-hmm. but he self-made he took a video camera and created you know the rest is history anyone yeah. that knows film so is it just i don't know what's your opinion on that is it just yeah, subjective it, or is it just something no i instinct? Think it is
2: i think it completely is um but also as a producer i have a taste so i know what i like when i see it And and it might not be that it's polished or it's great, but I see something in it. And I, you know, part of why I was here and I was thinking I'm not a business guru because everything I go on is about how I feel about a project. And maybe I need to be a bit more strategic so I can make some money from film. (laughs) But um, for me, someone being ready is that I really like what they do and it's about the passion. It's about their body of work. Are they making things like off their own back? Do they need, you know, a lot of people that I work with haven't actually received any financing, but they put everything into the projects that they've made. They've made stuff where there's been no finance. They've built a team around them. Like, they speak confidently, and their work shows that these people are ready, because it's a tough world. It's not, you know, it's not easy.
0: Thank you. Um, Unfortunately, we've come to the end of our session. Um, I must say that um, we probably could be here for another few hours just talking about the richness of what, and we are just talking about funding and, and uh, of, of, of something as opposed to a company. I must, I must say that a word that's been used by all of the panelists is the word confidence. Uh, when I was commissioning at Nickelodeon, for example, uh, in my time there, I had about 6,000 pitches sent to me, I commissioned five. The, those five um, had an element of confidence about them that meant that if I said yes to them, that they would be made. And I think uh, everyone here has really talked about, okay, how you split it down, how you communicate your idea in a very kind of in this passion that you actually bring to the table. But if I say yes to you, are you going to make me look good?
1: Mm.
0: Because I will have bosses, everyone has a boss. And so that um, fundamentally is what about my, my company right now, who I actually work with in order to take their idea onto the next stage is all about confidence. Have you done your homework? You know, why are you talking to me? what can I actually do for you? And having a realistic approach to actually what we can do. And that's a lot of it is about research, it's having the courage to do something as well. And I'll leave you with um, that the most successful people fail more than unsuccessful people. So you've got to go for it and not be scared of failing and learning from that. I'd like to thank my panelists, thank Paul, Fiona
1: and Mahesh.